You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. We are recording this episode on the day New Zealand won against England uh, in the first test match uh, between the two teams. Um, so there have been a lot of test matches going on in the last few days, a lot of things to catch up to. Uh, so let me welcome my co-host Ajit. Hello Ajit. Hi Giri. How are you doing? Uh, don't uh, don't ask. Been quite busy these days. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know. There have been, I think, three or four matches that uh, have gone on in the last a week or a week and a half. Uh, unbelievable amount of Test cricket. What do you think? Well, it's a welcome thing, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I mean, I was, I think, tweeting one of these days that you know, one of the perfect days for us, at least those of us living in Central European time, was about to begin because. You know, you had uh, something starting around 11 p.m. and then you know, officially the time of test uh, cricket ended like next day after midday. So, you know, around 3 p.m. or 4 p.m. So that's like a very ideal thing as far as a test fan is concerned. Mm. So you can do nearly 18 hours of cricket. So that's very <laughs> nice. Right. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of test cricket and uh, yeah, it, it was uh, it was also interesting. Some of these tests were a bit one sided, but, you know, all in all. As Test match fans, we, we would be very happy to see, no matter one-sided or not. So, I think let's begin with the India series. So, uh, between our two episodes, we saw that two tests were played between Bangladesh and India. So, one was played, the first test played in Indore. And, uh, you know, for a change, in both these tests, the away team, Bangladesh, won the toss. But uh, it looks like, you know, it wouldn't have made much of a difference or they couldn't really make the most of the toss that they won. Because... Um, in, in the indoor match, they won the toss but uh, could not capitalize. It was a spicy sort of a pitch and probably the batting first was a very brave decision on that pitch and it backfired and they were 150 all out with, you know, Mushrikur Rahim making a fighting 43 and then Mominul Haq 37. But once that partnership was broken, there was not a lot else going on in that 11. Uh, Litton Das made 21 and Mahmudullah had a very quiet series for a change. I mean, one would expect that uh, a senior player like him would take some you know, load on his shoulders with uh, Shakib missing. But unfortunately, that was not to be. Uh, it was all about the Indian faster bowlers in the series. So, uh, the first test was the exception where, you know, Ashwin, the spinner, took five wickets, two in the first innings and three in the second. But outside of that, all the wickets that fell in the series went to the faster bowlers. So, in this specific test, you know, once India restricted uh, Bangladesh to 150, uh, Mayank Agarwal took upon himself to, you know, outscore Bangladesh uh, he made a 243. So it was a very measured innings. You know, he looked completely in control and uh, he looked to be a master of the conditions because he hit eight sixes to go with his 28 fours. Uh, he was well supported by Pujara, who made 54, and of course Rahane, 86, who missed out on 100, one felt. And Jadeja finished with a 16 not out. So it looks like, you know, in this uh, 11, given both Jadeja and Ashwin batting, Jadeja has become a constant number six batter we they probably won't go for a sixth batter in this 11 and then ashwin um, you know will probably bat at eight or seven depending on how the 11 uh, unfolds so 
India finished with a very strong 493 for 6. Um, you know, Abu Jayad, the seamer, took four wickets for Bangladesh. But uh, when it came their turn to bat again, again, Mushfikur made a fighting 64 and uh, Litan Das 35 and Mehdi Hasan 38. But apart from that, you know, not a lot to write home about from the Bangladesh uh, batting. And they were uh, 213 all out. So they, that gave India a victory by an innings under 130 runs. So a huge win for Giri, for uh, India. So I don't know how much of it you were able to follow, Giri. Uh, very little. Um... Uh, I, for one, was actually surprised that Bangladesh opted to bat first. And like you said, it was a spicy bit of a wicket. And I think India didn't mind bowling at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so the score, 150 all out, kind of suggests that uh, Bangladesh did not have the, the batting skill to combat the conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think Indian fast bowling attack, this is probably one of the best we have ever had. Right. In quite a long time, I think. Uh, you know, if you think back... When did we have three bowlers who were, you know, I think at least two of them were 140-plus bowlers, Umesh Yadav and uh, Shami. Mm, mm. Uh, and we still have Bumrah waiting uh, on the wings to come back after his recovery. So it looks fantastic. Um, yeah, and Jadeja doing his part, uh, right? I think he's also doing well with the bat these days. Uh, Ashwin is now demoted to number eight in the batting lineup. That's, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I wouldn't call it demotion, but that's his place right now. Uh, right. and, uh, and I always thought Ashwin was a better batter uh, compared with uh, Jadeja, but Jadeja has improved a lot over the years. Um, but apart from that, if you if you look at the bowling attack, I think just like you said, it's majority of the wickets went to the uh, seamers. And what is happening to all these Indian uh, wickets, uh, Ajit? What is happening to them? Is it just that, I mean, is the surface so conducive for uh, fast bowling or is it just the skill level? Uh, the Indian bowlers have at the moment or the lack of skill, you know, the Bangladeshi batsmen have. What do you think about it? Do you think there is a big gap? It's a combination, I would think, because look, um, for example, if you look at the second innings of the first test, the way Shami bowled will stay with you for a long time if you saw it, because the way he dismissed uh, Mominul Haq and Mohammad Mithun and also Mahmoodullah, it was, it was quite excellent bowling. And he's usually a better bowler in the second innings of a yeah. test, Shami. He's shown that and Around that time, I remember Dale Stein also, you know, tweeted saying that probably this is the best second innings bowler in the world at this point in time, right? So, you know, I think it's a combination of all of the above. The pitch uh, that are prepared, no, the pitches that are prepared are not, doesn't have to be very spin conducive. It can be very neutral or if anything, can also favor the faster bowlers. And mm. the spinners have the quality to still make a presence on such a pitch in India, right? That's not a mm. problem. And specifically, it looked like Given how well the Indian fast bowling was being uh, or performing, I think uh, the pitches were, uh, the curators are given a free hand. They were told, prepare a pitch however you want. We don't really mind it. You know, it doesn't have to favor spin. On the other hand, it could be another tactic where, you know, in order to, to take out the left arm spin variety, usually that Bangladesh bring in plenty, probably they went in a bit heavy uh, in terms of uh, pace so that, you know, anywhere pace bowling is clicking. So sort of, they played to the strengths to completely take out uh, yeah. the spin contingent of Pakistan uh, for Bangladesh. And it sort of worked, right? Yeah. Also, there was a bit of a, the opening top three, top four did not really apply themselves as well as they could have. For example, in the first test, it was weird to see Mushfiqur Rahim bat at five throughout. I don't know yeah. what was the thinking there, right? Yeah. Also, Mahmoudullah batting at number six, what's happening there? I mean, they, I, I always thought your best batsman should probably bat at number four. 
followed by number five who is more experienced and I, I mean I think it happened in both the test matches as we'll see uh, in your next uh, coverage uh, but I think the Bangladeshi think tank may have missed a point here again um, and I, I think there really shows that Shakib is missing in the side I think he had such a huge presence he sorely missed unfortunately for them uh, but talking about batting again just just coming back to India's batting lineup and what a fantastic double century that Mayank Agarwal made there. I think he idolizes, or I read somewhere that he idolizes Virendra Sehwag uh, when he comes out to bat. And he kind of played a similar innings. It's, if you look at his right. strike rate, it was 70 plus, 73, I think, uh, in the, for the 243 runs that he scored. And it was a very quick innings, right? So came off 330 deliveries. And Ajinkya Rahana is also amongst the runs, so that should be very good. Uh, for the Indian batting because he always does well overseas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he missed out on a century. He, he made 86 in this uh, match, but I think it was good for him as well. And I remember seeing a graphic on television when I was watching the highlights. Uh, they, they had some figures come up there on the screen which showed uh, who was the highest run getter uh, amongst the Indian batters. And up there at the top was Mayank Agarwal. And then in the second position was actually... Uh, uh, Ajinkya Rahane and Kohli was probably at number four after Rohit Sharma. I, I can't remember who was number three and number four, but Kohli was down there in the middle somewhere. Mm. So, mm. so it's it's amazing to see you know different batters clicking, and it's not just Virat Kohli or Cheteshwar Pujara who always have to score the bulk of the runs. I think Rohit Sharma batting up the order has done a lot of uh, good for Indian uh, batting. I think I mean when when he's going when he's when the going is good, I think there's no better player to watch. Uh, that uh, languid, <laughs> you know, mm, the stroke mm. player reminds me so much of uh, Inzama Mulak. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. No, he totally bossed the conditions, no two words about it. But look, when it comes to the imbalance, definitely the faster bowlers f- uh, from the Indian team were really, really, you know, uh, very effective. And mm. um, I think even if uh, the teams had batted the other way around, the result would probably still have fallen in India's favor given how effective the Indian fast bowling trio was, right? And with all due respect to a certain Mr. Gavaskar, (laughs) this is probably the fastest and probably the best Indian attack, fast bowling attack there ever has been, right? And also with all due respect to everybody, you know, uh, Lal Singh to Kapil Dev to everybody uh, down the years, this trio of really fast bowlers really makes a difference. you have Vishan Sharma's experience and you have the raw pace that Umesh Yadav and a little bit of unpredictability that, you know, Yadav has. And of course, Shami's mastery in the second innings. So that's that's a terrible yeah, or a terrific yeah. combination, depending on how you look at and, it. And one more thing I want to add here. Uh, the role of uh, bowling coach Bharat Arun, I think he has done a tremendous job in mm-hmm. bringing the skill level and also the performing, uh, you know, the, the performance of all these bowlers to uh, another level. Uh, I, I also heard Ishan Sharma talk about a new um, a new delivery that he has added to his repertoire you know the uh-huh. leg cutter the leg cutter to a right-hander or a, an off cutter to a left-hander and Bangladesh Indeed. have three to four batsmen in the top order and he troubled all these batsmen uh, bowling around the wicket and he, in fact he was forced to bowl around the wicket because he was running on the, the danger area when he was bowling over the wicket so he was forced to bowl around the wicket and apparently during the net session I think in between the second and third day when they were practicing after the end of the, uh, the day's play, uh, mm-hmm. Ishan Sharma developed this ball uh, in uh-huh. you know, talking to you know, the other bowlers like uh, Shami and also the coach. 
and he used it in the in the bangladeshi second innings and it was effective fantastic uh, you know the ball just comes in he bowls it with a very similar action to stuart stuart broads uh, have you seen how stuart broad bowls that uh, you know uh, leg cutter especially no. the deliveries which got david warner out repetitively do you remember that so it's quite ah. similar to this it's fantastic normally ishan sharma's ball goes away from the left hander it pitches and then swings away but this one just holds its line it's just a wobble scene uh, there it's so you, you know these these guys are doing so well i think uh, it's it, it's fantastic and umesh yadav i have to say has a bit more control now and he he has that natural out swinger going for him and he also makes the ball hold its line and then you know you you see dismissals like uh, uh, i think it was probably mushfiq ur rahim no that was mohammad shami i can't remember which one yeah but it's, mm. it's i think uh, to sum it up indian bowling attack is uh, fantastic at the moment indeed going on you know uh, they went to the pink test the test in kolkata and uh, you know it was a welcome change that uh, they were able to play day night and of course you know the mastery of the indian fast bowling continued they took every wicket that fell in this test all 19 of them in fact right so not only that they were quite menacing so you know uh, litan das had to retire hurt and then also they knocked um, uh, i think mohammad mithun on the head so not mohammad mithun i think it was um, naim hasan he took a blow a sickening blow as well in fact uh, two people were really really you know uh, badly hit on the head so mm-hmm. this bowling attack was quite quite effective so ishan sharma taking a 54 in the first innings of the sec- second test and umesh yadav taking a 54 in the second innings mm-hmm. and you know these were really really fast i mean at in, in certain instances i looked like i when when it when i was seeing it it looked like you know uh, the bowlers were so fast and maybe there were some visibility issues i don't know some of the bangladesh batsmen seemed to like back away when the ball was being delivered almost right mm-hmm. so uh, it, it was very weird to see that but all in all uh, they had literally you know what they used to say about the 80s west indian fast bowlers uh the batsman is to really f- fear for limb and life it almost felt like that it's yeah. weird to see in the modern day cricket maybe i'm exaggerating a little bit but um, you know 106 all out with two people struck on the head one uh, concussion substitute being introduced all of those shows that is actually happened i mean they were forced to introduce uh, mohammed uh, like uh, mehdi hasan miraz uh, in place of uh, you know litan das uh, because they did not have a batsman and mohammed uh, sorry uh, litan das being a batsman meant a like for like substitute uh, mehdi hasan miraz could not bowl anymore right yeah. but they were forced to bring him in there was no other batter in the squad that could take his place that's yeah. that's how it had become right yeah yeah and think, then yeah go on no i think there was another concussion substitute right in yes. the Yeah. But I was going to say that uh, these guys the Indian bowlers bowled short pitch deliveries at Bangladeshi batsmen apparently because in the evening session the ball was a bit wet due to the dew and it was not moving so much in the air. So they were kind of forced to you know uh, bowl in a different way. Uh, they had, they were you know bowling it short because they just wanted to cause trouble you know scare the batsmen basically and they succeeded right so well I mean they did succeed because you know when you look at uh, 30.3 overs this is the lowest number of overs taken in a completed innings in india right mm. and that too in the first session of a you know pink test uh, pink ball test that was that was very nice to see so again also shami took two wickets and umesh yadav three and i think ravindra jadeja was used once for i think shami to change it right yeah yeah that's how complete the domination was 
and when it came their turn to bat uh, so there was not big starts from the openers from india but pujara laid a foundation with 55 and then kohli who had missed out in the first test made uh, 136 came good you know this was his 41st international 100 and um, he is actually equaled ponting's record ponting hold, held the record for the most number of international 100s and kohli has gone on to equal it in less than half the number of innings so that's that's quite something and he still has three or four good years ahead of him so you know uh, we'll see maybe he'll go much higher right and then rahane made 51 he also you know rahane and pujara you could expect one of these could have converted it to 100 but both of them had good innings but given kohli making a big uh, 136 and after he got out there was sort of a collapse and by then the ball was doing substantially quite a lot so we saw that uh, abu jahed and uh, alamin hosain and ibadat hosain were also able to ex- extract quite a lot of movement in the air mm-hmm. seeing this very shrewdly even though the total did not look very at all kohli called his batsman in and that proved to be the right move because uh, bangladesh top order again collapsed and uh, you know they lost the top four very cheaply before mushfiqur rahim and uh, mahmudullah decided you know we are going to dig in now we're going to dig in and they made sure you know there was some fight but again mahmudullah had to retire hurt this was unfortunate it was more like uh, he injured his hamstring and couldn't come out to bat again and then on the next morning so it was effectively a two day test but on the third morning india took just 10 overs or 11 overs and they completed uh, another test match victory it was an innings victory so this again is a record so apparently this is the first time in the history of the game where any team has had four consecutive innings victories right for 130 140 years of test match cricket this is a wonderful wonderful record and india is able to do it at home that to led by their fast bowlers who would have who would have ever thought of it kiri a year ago you know nobody would have even dreamt of it i would say at least not growing up uh, while i was growing up i never thought this would happen mm. <laughs> we we usually saw uh, saw anil kumble who was the match winner for us when we were growing up right or jawagal shrinath or to some extent venkatesh prasad both were fast bowlers right kumble <laughs> Yeah. Yes, yes, obviously, yeah. You're right. right. You know, Shami bowled just 8 overs in the second innings and uh, you know, in the second test they were overall 7 overs of spin. No, I think Indian bowlers were a bit expensive in the Bangladeshi second innings mainly because uh, Mushfiqur Rahim and uh, Mohammadullah before Mohammadullah retired hurt. They they played a fantastic counter attacking partnership. I think they scored very quickly. Um and also because I think they just wanted to show themselves as well as to the world that you know they can try and you know put up a fight in the end it was not enough unfortunately for them uh, and people getting hit i think the batsmen the bangladeshi batsmen were hit on the head like five or six times in this uh, test match if i'm not wrong on the helmet mm-hmm. flush on the helmet so mm-hmm. it's not a not uh, it's not a nice sight and there have been questions raised now about the visibility of the pink ball and if if bangladeshi batsmen were actually equipped uh, with the right skill set to handle a short pitch delivery you know there was a lot of debate on air as well uh, with especially with somebody like uh, sunil gavaskar of course who has a lot of things to say right um, so he he kept saying that concussion substitution you know substitute is not a fair way to um, handle this he thinks if somebody gets hit on the head yeah sorry but uh, he doesn't have the uh, you know right skill to counter a short pitch delivery and that's that's how it should be if somebody getting hurt getting a broken finger mm. uh, or a broken arm you know they don't get a you know a fracture whatever broken hand substitute for example right so it should not be the case apparently uh, according to uh, sunil gavaskar there was a lot of debate 
lively debate on air. Um, but I think I still believe concussion substitute is the right, right, um, you know, thing in cricket. The only thing that needs to be done is maybe they need to have a look at the rules and regulations again, uh, so that people don't misuse it. I think we mentioned this in one of our earlier podcasts when this was introduced in July in the first Ashes, Ashes uh, Test match, right? Um, so, but I mean, it remains to be seen, I guess, uh, whether this was a good thing. But all in all. I think the pink ball test match uh, drew in a lot of crowds. I think we almost had full mm-hmm. house every single day, Friday, Saturday, and also Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, people flocking in such big numbers, fantastic advert for test cricket. But will it continue like this? Or it, it was, was it just a novelty uh, thing, you know, something new people wanted to come on, come out and see? Do you think this has future in India? Yes. So, I mean, also it's subjective to which part of India it is played in, but... I think going forward, the Indian audiences are much used to watching cricket in the evenings because of IPL and other, uh, you know, limited hours cricket. I think there's definitely an application in a country like India where, you know, this is a good way to attract crowds and maybe combining with what with what Kohli had earlier said, if you fix the number of uh, venues to, you know, five or eight, and you always say two tests in a year will be pink tests and you sort of fix it in a calendar earlier so that uh, there is a certain amount of anticipation as well that builds up. Right. So this is definitely one of the experiments I would like to see continue as far as, you know, test match cricket in India is concerned. And most countries nowadays, especially in the southern hemisphere, go for a, a day night tests like South Africa and Australia. Right. So it, it's a good, good experiment to have, especially when cricket is played in the second half of the year. It's definitely worth mm-hmm. uh, exploring this thing. So all in all, you know, uh, this Indian team is on the up and uh, analyst Mirabilis, right? It's called. So, but anyway, a great year for the Indian fast bowlers. So when you look at it, uh, they've taken wonderful, wonderful number of wickets and long may the strength, the bowling strength of India continue. You know, once Bumrah comes back and Bhuvaneshwar Kumar is also back in technique, there'll be five or six really good bowlers to pick from. And uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the India store of New Zealand early next year when, you know, they'll be on good spicy pitches and It'll be a proper uh, clash of two very uh, heavily skilled fast bowling lineups. Kidding. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to that. We still also have, you know, people like uh, Deepak Chahar, who who is on the back of this wonderful T20 form, uh, and we have. Uh, I don't know if Khalil Ahmed will be given another chance, but uh, I mean, I'm just looking ahead to the future Indian bowling lineup because Umesh. Yadav as well as uh, Ishan Sharma, I think they're in their early 30s, right? They may have two or three years left in them. Yeah. Right, right. But it's it's a tantalizing prospect of having uh, you know, raw pace in your bowling attack. Always good. Right. So that's that's fantastic. So going forward, uh, if you were to discuss quickly the test match that happened in Brisbane, where you know uh, Australia played Pakistan and. Uh, uh, this this again was a little bit of a one-sided test match with Australia winning with an in, by an innings and five runs. But I think Pakistan played really well in the second uh, innings for sure. The, you know, in this case as well, uh, Pakistan batted first. It was a good toss to win and you know the right decision to bat first. But they couldn't capitalize and they were all out for 240 in the first day. With you know Asad Shafiq making 76 and then Rizwan making 37. Yasirisha showing that, you know, with some application, even he made 26, so it's possible, right, if you spend some time. Azhar Ali and uh, Shan Masood had actually done well in the first session, and they had taken Pakistan to 75 for no loss, but uh, Pakistan team couldn't build on that. And when it came their turn to bat, Australia had, you know, David Warner, who had a point to prove. He had a very lean summer 
with the test matches and he hit a wonderful 154 right joey burns was really unlucky to make 97 and miss out on 100 but you know marlas labushan uh, labushain labush labushkagne however you want to say that went out to make 185 so you know they had literally in the top 3 uh, right they literally made uh, 400 runs and that put more or less the test match to the bed and uh, matthew wade made 60 but all in all uh, with 580 runs that australia scored it was always going to be an uphill battle for pakistan uh, with pakistan's team there was also a, a couple of interesting selections they gave nasim shah a debut ahead of maybe mohammad abbas playing right or they could have pulled um, imran khan out but imran khan really did well in the practice matches so probably they were influenced by that and then in the second innings pakistan did really well finally babar azam coming good and hitting 100 and mohammad rizwan making 95 to add to his first innings 37 so Shan Masood again made 42, so showing that there is a bit of fight. Uh, all in all, it was a little bit one-sided, but uh, Pakistan definitely showed a lot more guts and gumption in the second innings than nearly made Australia bat again. It was a very clinical performance from the Pacers from Australia as well, with Stark, you know, Stark, Cummins, and Hazelwood always among the wickets in both the innings. I don't know if you were able to catch some of the some of the action on this test, Kiri. Very briefly, I saw. some part of the opening partnership between david warner and uh, joe burns um so they basically made pakistani bowlers sweat uh, they played very nicely uh, i believe nasim shah had his first wicket already but he, it was a no ball uh, right. So right i think it was probably david warner indeed indeed yeah <laughs> so it was very unfortunate i think david warner was not on a big score back back then i think it must have been 20s or 30s um so if if he had got out maybe yeah you know things would have been different would have could have you know doesn't matter anymore mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but nasim shah i mean what a prospect nasim shah as well as uh, who is the other fast bowler i i forgot his name uh, shahin shah afridi shahin shah afridi yeah we we all know that guy yeah imran khan is not so young is not so young yeah. but anyway i mean uh, nasim shah i just saw some of his deliveries mm-hmm. he has a fantastic action i mean he runs in with a lot of energy you know and uh, he has that uh, very quick arm i have to say he, he has a very quick arm action um yeah reminds me of yeah shoal bakhtar of the old um 16 year old kid bowling 150 plus do you think that's possible i mean he's physically superior i guess to everybody what well, do you think <laughs> no there might be these exceptional you know talents you mm-hmm. have the uh, you know you have the norm where you have somebody who's a certain age and has certain muscles but there are people who develop a bit early that's possible mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so uh, also maybe there may have been some confusions so but let's not get into that <laughs> all i can say is we are told he's um, 16 and he's 16 as far as i'm concerned and well 16 or 18 or 25 i don't care he bowled fantastic pace yeah. and what they have in this guy is a very very useful prospect that they can take forward and you know they can probably try and convert into a good bowler who can serve them for a decade or more right yeah. that's what i'm looking at and that was very nice to see right yeah. but you know if he if he's really 16 it raises other questions why bowl him 16 overs in a test match and so that's why i don't want to get into that because that would be uh, unusually you know heavy on a 16 year old body because because of that they had they could only bowl him for four overs next day or something so you know that could really be the case so all that is a bit um, let's say a bit uh, detailed for us to go into this uh, episode but nandalas they may have found somebody that you know as you said with two or three years of learning can become a shoaib akhtar and maybe serve pakistan cricket for a decade or so right mm-hmm. kiri 
Yeah, for sure. But the key here is the fitness level and also uh, how they protect him, right? I mean, they should not uh, play him too often in docile pitches, you know, which are not conducive for fast bowling. They shouldn't waste his talent there. Uh, mm-hmm. Otherwise, he may end up with some stress fractures or, you know, like a like a terrible knee that uh, Shoaib Akhtar has had, uh, you know, all the years. I think without the injuries that Shoaib Akhtar had, still one of my favorite bowlers. I think he would have been an amazing uh, bowler. I think another 20-30 tests more, he would have had 150 wickets for sure. 150 right. wickets more. So let's hope this guy, Naseem Shah, can get at least 200 wickets mm-hmm. in test mm-hmm. cricket. Uh, let's mm-hmm. start with that. Maybe let him develop. But and. it's 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 uh, it's all good for the next match. Uh, I don't know. Um, let's see. Let's hope uh, Pakistan come back with a bit more of a, of a fight and not uh, you know not play like they did in the first innings, especially. Indeed. So it, it's going to be an interesting test. Even they're going to go into a day-night test as well in Adelaide. So that's going yeah. to be a very interesting uh, test coming up as far as Australia versus Pakistan is concerned. The third test match that we can discuss quickly is the first test between New Zealand and uh, England. And this was a proper old school test match, I thought. You know, the test going into five days and more importantly, you know, it was it was very difficult to say who would win this test after the first three days because New Zealand was slightly ahead. But, uh, you know, they did really well to convert that to a win. So if you were to quickly take a look at the scorecard, England batted first and made 353 in their first innings with, you know, Rory Burns 52 and Denley 74. Ben Stokes was a bit unlucky to miss out on 100, making 91. And then Butler made 43 and Pope 29. So uh, it was not a bad overall batting effort from England to get through 353 in the first innings, right? But... Uh, when it came to the way New Zealand started, they had slipped to, uh, you know, a little bit of a you know, precarious position. They were uh, 4 for 127 when Ken Williamson got out. But then uh, the middle and lower middle order of New Zealand had uh, their own ideas. Because first, uh, uh, Nichols and Watling uh, took them to 197 when uh, Nichols was dismissed. But then uh, we all seem to forget that. Because uh, from then on, it was Watling's show because Watling made a double hundred. He's the first Kiwi fully designated keeper to make a double hundred, right? He was well supported by Colin de Grand, who made, who made 65. And then Mitchell Santner and him, like literally between these three people, they batted a whole day out, if I'm not wrong. And they took um, New Zealand to 615 for nine. And uh, that meant, you know, uh, England were really having an uphill task. And um, they did not really fare well on the fourth evening. They were 55 for three. And they were really looking down the barrel on the fifth day. Even though New Zealand lost Trent Bolt to an injury, Wagner carried the day and he took uh, Pfeiffer and basically New Zealand romped home to victory in the, you know, after team. So that was a very, very good, very interesting test match. I don't know, Gary, how much of it you were able to catch? Uh, it's too early for me, man. Uh, I couldn't get up so early to catch this, but I saw some, I saw the scorecard on Crick Info uh, and I saw BJ Watling making a double century and I wasn't surprised at all. Typical grinding innings of him from him, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and also Santner, uh, Mitchell Santner. I think he's he's really developing himself into a proper all-rounder now. If ever there was any doubt in anybody's mind, uh, to score a hundred down the order. This New Zealand, I think they they have so many utility cricketers, right? So they have so many bowlers who can bat and so many batsmen who can bowl, and then there are others who do both basically. Um, so New Zealand Test team is, I think, it's very well balanced. And even Colin de Grandhomme, you know, I think he he batted so well, and then 
covering for uh, Trent Bolt, right? So he took on the load of bowling extra overs, didn't concede any runs, right? So, and but New Zealand is all, it's all fine with New Zealand, but what's happening with uh, England? What's happening to Joe Root? Another failure. He didn't score at all. He didn't score well. Uh, what's happening to somebody like uh, Josh Butler? You know, all these top batsmen who were having such a good time leading up to the World Cup as well as, you know, just just after that. What's happening to these guys? Is there a dip? Is it natural, do you think? What's happening here? I think they are in some sort of a rebuild phase as well. New coach, you know, new thought process and everything. But I think definitely Joe Root has had a very you know, fallow year because uh, by his standards, you know, he averages, uh, I think, uh, under 25. And I saw a you know, shocking statistic that this year, uh, Jack Leach averages better than him, right? <laughs> That's that's a very shocking statistic when it comes to somebody you know like Joe Root's uh, caliber, but unfortunately he's had a very you know very low yield year. That can happen to any good batsman. When it comes to Butler, I thought especially first innings he made a useful 42, but in the second innings he looked very indecisive and he let one ball go which was way too full to let go and he was bowled right from Wagner. I think he was expecting a short ball and Wagner really stumped him with that change. <laughs> but nonetheless, um, yeah, indeed. There was not enough fight. Usually, you expect that the England team will yeah. show a lot of fight. So, down the order, um, I think Archer and uh, Curran tried mm. to replicate that. And they made a good 50 partnership to show what the top order could do. Yeah. But there again, it was unexpected that uh, this is where England do well. They Everybody chips in a little. They showed it also in the first innings here. So, for me, it might be a one-off. It might be an aberration rather than anything more serious. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And uh, I think we can expect that they'll bounce back and perform strongly in the upcoming tests, especially with, you know, maybe we hear Trenbolt may be out injured. That means this uh, good uh, good uh, bowling lineup will have one uh, setback from New Zealand. And maybe they may give Lockie Ferguson a debut, okay? Yeah, I think he's long due. I really like him. He's a tearaway fast bowler. You should have one of them. Right? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Mark Henry. No, no, it's a good idea. Matt Henry might also take his place. Matt Henry himself has been waiting in the wings, so to say, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but as as it as is, you know, you have this left arm variety in Wagner who sort of always whacks the ball in, and you have this, you know, somebody like Colin de Grandhomme, his role can can be very underrated but very useful in a lineup yeah. because he he did that in both the innings where he bowls, you know, 20 odd overs each innings, gives one and a half runs an over, and really keeps it tight. Maybe mm-hmm. takes a wicket or two. I was reading somewhere, uh, Colin de Grandhomme is one of the more successful test all-rounders currently because, you know, they, they mentioned a statistic. It's a weird one. But uh, for a test batter who has an average more than 40, right, mm-hmm. and takes at least two wickets in a test under the bowling average of 30, you know, when was the last time this happened? Was it Chris Keynes? No, no, no. You have to go like pre-war years. It was uh, Aubrey Faulkner. There was a South African all-rounder who had these sort of stats. Uh, Maybe at some point in his career, Gary Sobers had such a combination, they say. But you have to go way back. That's the interesting part, right? A batting average of more than 40, a bowling average under 30, and at least two wickets in a test. That's the criteria. So that was very interesting for me to read that this guy is so effective. It doesn't amount to, you don't think that this guy could be so effective, but look at it, right? How he has been used. Yeah. So that's like, you know, the sum of parts being far greater than the individual. That's a typical New Zealand team for sure. Yeah. But uh, they really deserve kudos for, you know, sort of 
taking this old fashioned win like uh, hanging on making sure they they tire the opposition out like this old this school test match so it gave me a lot of pleasure watching this test right so um, yeah let's really hope that the remaining tests are also cracker jacks in this series right? i have a question for you ajit tell me do you ever sleep <laughs> do you oh, ever yeah, sleep yeah. at night no i do i do i mean look i the new zealand tests start at 11 pm our time so sometimes yeah. i catch a session before i go to bed you know the other thing is i also watch some highlights yeah no but but i i know that you also try to follow it as closely as you can live right so right. Right. so you had a match in new zealand and then you had one in australia and then you had one in the indian subcontinent so you basically covered for the next like you said 15 to 18 hours so exactly amazing well i couldn't do it all but i tried as much as i can you're right yeah but this is a good period for test so cricket fans we have a lot of months coming up yeah. as much <laughs> indeed so uh, now if we were to move on to the other news right shahadat hosain this slightly controversial bangladeshi bowler is now banned for 5 years for assaulting arafat sani junior another uh, former international from bangladesh in a domestic cricket match uh, this is very unfortunate to hear and we really hope you know maybe this guy needs some help maybe with his anger counseling or something and he's given that right in a similarly not so nice news we hear that pakistan's sana meer and australia's sofi molano have uh, taken a break from cricket for various reasons i think sana meer uh, took a break for sort of you know getting a bit of perspective but sofi molano has actually taken a break due to uh, some mental fatigue so we hear a lot of these coming up maybe uh, she needs the she needs a break and also you know take some time off get a bit more perspective in the meantime the good news on the same front nick madinson who had made himself unavailable has decided to make himself available again in the sheffield shield in australia so that's a good news right also if you remember we had talked about it a couple of months ago when you know uh, psl's uh, 2019 edition started img reliance which was the broadcasting partner had withdrawn due to some conflict between the two countries at that stage india and pakistan so it looks like pcb will go ahead and sue mg reliance over this so another news on you know we just keep an eye on it we don't know how it will uh, develop in the upcoming days but very interesting uh, also we've been keeping an eye on the betting uh, scandal that's uh, unfolding in kpl karnataka premier league it looks like ksa the karnataka state cricket association's treasurer has come out and categorically said that until this investigation is completed they will not host another edition of the kpl that's a real pity i would say but uh, maybe it's for the best uh, it's good to have the house cleaned up before you go ahead i believe also you know just as a matter of interest in the recently concluded uh, sayed mushtaq ali trophy match i saw something really really unique giri mm-hmm. so this was the match between rajasthan and haryana and haryana had three leg spinners i don't know if you ever have come across such a possibility so the opening bowlers were amit mishra and yashvendra chahal and the first change was rahul tevatia so oh. three spinners opening the bowling no, have you ever something. come across this no i don't think so you know uh, for those of our friends and fans who are listening i would uh, ask if you ever come across such a match in any level of you know higher level of cricket please do let us know maybe there have been club games and you know other uh, such examples but in a higher level of cricket maybe list a cricket first class cricket international cricket has this ever happened that the first three bowlers in an innings are leg break bowlers as a you know not so successful member of the leg break union it uh, really really filled my heart so i was really happy to see that so i thought i'll make a mention of it also in other news uh, george bailey uh, the former australian captain and a player has been named a australian selector even while he's playing or winding up his first class career one can say so that's very good news so they're 
trying to inject some fresh ideas into the setup even while one of the more seasoned cricketers has given a chance to do this moving on if you were to look at the trivia section so the question from previous episode was who is the first indian to take a t20 hat trick just to put this in context that was uh, asked on the back of you know deepak chahar taking a hat trick it was a bit of a red herring deepak chahar because the right answer is ekta bisht the indian women's cricketer who took a 3 for 16 versus sri lanka in uh, 2012 already right and arindam saha one of our uh, you know keen followers and friends has answered this correctly on twitter we really hope you know more uh, more and more new people also take a guess at the answer i think uh, ds pati had taken a guess on uh, podbean earlier where he asked was it yasvendra chahal i remember saying no give me take it take another go at it right so the trivia question from this episode is which captain holds the record for the most innings victories so we we discussed a lot of innings victories this episode so which captain really holds the record for the most innings victories in tests right do get in touch with us to give us an answer to this question or share your thoughts etc so there are multiple ways you could do this you could leave a comment on whichever podcast uh, platform you use to listen right apple itunes podbean you know acast any of these or you could reply you could get in touch with us via twitter for example at amchirpod or using our facebook page or you could write into us at amchir.gmail.com all of these are really nice ways to get in touch with us and any time you get in touch with us it gives us a lot of philip knowing that we are reaching people out there uh, you know like minded cricket fans and so on so please do get in touch with such a lot of cricket that we already discussed there's a lot to discuss in the upcoming episodes and we hope uh, you do stay tuned in having said all that it's a goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from him bye bye you're listening to the armchair cricket podcast